0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 795. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Malachi with chapter 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We start Malachi with these familiar words. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who... Bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But they do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty." And so we have these words here that talk about a messenger who will prepare the way before God, the way before the Lord. And of course, when I'm here in the end of the Old Testament prophets, and I think about the messenger, I think of John the Baptist, and we think about the Lord coming to his temple, I think about Jesus, either in the first time he came or in the time when he is coming again. And which, again, are we talking about here? Isn't all that clear, and maybe both. But it talks about this messenger of the covenant who will come before the Lord because God is coming, and God is coming to set things right. Now, whether we're talking about Jesus who is going to go into the temple and turn over tables and talk about what is happening in the temple where they've turned it into a marketplace instead of a a place of worship— or whether we're talking about Jesus when he comes again and sets things right. I think there's some sense of both. But I get really more of the, the following, more of the second one, when we get things like the refiner's fire or of a launderer's soap. And launderers, I should say, is a difficult word to say, which is why we sometimes talk about a fuller. Uh, the person who is uh, laundering things and making things white. And so we get the refiner's fire that God is coming like one who is going to make things better. But when you think about refiner's fire, it makes the metal more refined, more pure, more of what it's supposed to be, have the characteristics that it's supposed to have. But you can't imagine that for the metal, that is a enjoyable process, right? The refiner's fire is heating up the metal so that it can get to be what metal should be. And that in the same way that sometimes when we talk about refiner's fire, we talk about God letting us go through situations that will refine our character in the same way that will put them under stress until we become what we should be until we have the characteristics that we should have, like the metal has the characteristics it should have. And it says that the one who is coming, the Lord will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness. Then people will be doing things the right way. And remember, we've been talking about offerings as we do, it seems like, in all of the prophets and how they're doing things wrong because they're going through the motions, but they're not having a heart that is understanding the relationship with God. And then the accept- offerings will be acceptable. The offerings will be acceptable not because of what you're doing in the temple being different, but but what you're doing in the temple is consistent with what you're doing outside. And for us, it's not that what we bring in offering to church being any different, but that what we're doing in church is consistent with the life we're living outside. And it will come to put you on trial. and And it talks about three different things that God doesn't like, and then talks about some practices that God doesn't like. It talks about sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers. Uh, sorcerers I is probably not any of you, but certainly those people who are trying to derive extra special power from sources that are not God. Adulterers, those who have been unfaithful to the marriage covenant. And God uses the marriage covenant as a way of illustrating the relationship between God and his people. And so it's very important to God. And so adulterers is not the way that God wants us to behave. Perjurers again. How many times have we got in the Bible, especially here in these minor prophets, this importance of truth? And I think of this, and and not trying to pick on any particular party or any particular politician, but a politician today in the news uh, came out that a lot of things that he said during his campaign were false. He didn't go to this school. He didn't. uh, He wasn't of this nationality. He didn't ever have that job and he's pointing out that it's not illegal and that is probably true there's probably going to be no particular actions taken against this person but it's not the way that God wants us to live right to to be living in lies and saying that's okay i didn't do anything wrong is not what he wants us to say, not just when we're running for office, but in terms of how we deal with one another, in terms of how we deal with our boss at work, in terms of how we deal with our kids, just that importance of truth. And perjury is one particular type of lie where it is giving false witness against somebody else. And it's a thing that if you think about it, we all do more often now than we might have before social media. If you think about it, how often we sit in judgment before we know the facts, that we are putting ourselves in a situation where we are likely, more than likely, to become perjurers, to say something false against someone because we speak too soon. Not just because we speak with malice as a perjurer we would think of, but also because we just don't know that that's really true when we say it. We're repeating it because we heard somebody else say it. And against those who defraud laborers of their wages, God continues to care for those who have no power. So those who oppress the widows and the fatherless, deprive foreigners among you of justice, and defraud laborers of wages. God's speaking up for those who need protection, as we are called to do. And it continues, breaking covenant by withholding tithes. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land," says the Lord Almighty. So we get into sort of two things here. One is the practice of tithes and offerings in the day of Jesus and the day of the minor prophets was often to support the temple and the work in the temple and the Levites, and so they were under curse. God says because they were not bringing in the tithes and offerings that were appointed. You know how much they should be giving. And I think that that is fairly clear that that is, you know, something that they should be doing. It's in the law, and they were called to do it. But it also brings up us and our tithes and offerings. And there's no particular place, unless you're at a church that I don't know about, there are some churches, I understand, that do have a specific expectations for tithes and offerings. And we don't necessarily have one that I can find in the Bible that says, you as a Christian should give this much. Although the Old Testament model of a tenth, which is a tithe, is one that many people follow and one that my wife and I try and follow is giving away a tenth of what has been given to us, to the church and to other good works. And what the thing that comes out of this that's used sometimes in stewardship sermons, but is also just a, an interesting way of looking at things is that we're giving, it says, and the prophet says, Basically, see if you can outgive God, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. See if you don't feel richer for giving than poorer. And I think part of that is just the attitude that part of the importance of giving is not for the gift receiver, but the importance for the heart of the giver. It is important for us to live in a non-selfish, not-me-first-at-the-center-of-everything way. And everything else in our faith journey can go easier if we get in the habit of not thinking we're the most important person in the world, right? That is a good habit for all of us to get into, especially those of us who are called to be Christians, because we are not the most important person in the world. And sometimes we live as though we are, especially with our stuff. When we talk about, you know, how we relate to, for instance, the issue of the foreigners among us and d- injustice, I'll often what I hear is people afraid that they're going to take their stuff. And, and I understand that, but we have to remember that God's way of looking at this is different, that our stuff is not more important than people. And that we are called to be generous givers and that we're called to be grateful givers and that we're called to live with gratefulness and not with stinginess, not with not to be scrooges, if I can say this in the Christmas season where I'm recording this. Israel speaks arrogantly against God. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. This is something that I think many of us have felt from time to time is why is it that people who are evil prosper? Or let's more specifically say, people who are doing the wrong things, people who are doing evil, how do they get away with it? And it can look Like, God doesn't care, and that is frustrating. But God goes on here to give a response to this in the final paragraph of this chapter, the faithful remnant. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Now, that is not often the answer that we're looking for, which is the time will come that God will deal with the righteous and the wicked in the appropriate ways at the right time, That is not what I, as the most patient person in the world, oh no, sorry, I'm not the most patient person in the world, want to hear. But it is what God tells us. God is allowing evil to exist for a time, but not forever. And on that day, he will treat those who are honoring him and who are faithful to him with compassion and as his most treasured possession. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible study podcast. If you have a question, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening.